Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast. I'm extremely excited, as I usually am, (laughs) of course, on episodes of the main show. But this is a movie that I have been clamouring to cover on this show for a long time, and it feels like I've actually finally kind of uh, beat you down, Janine, to be able to actually watch this movie. Um, not that it's been that much of a struggle. It's no, just, uh, it just always comes up in quite a while. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it does always come up. You are right. It, it has been on the list for a long time now, and and we're finally getting round to doing it. So it feels like a little bit of a win for me. I'm here with a big smile on my face, going success. We're finally talking about my man, Godfrey, from 1936. We're back in the realm of screwball comedies. It hasn't been that long since we were here. If you consider Arsenic and Old Lace a true screwball comedy, because it's kind of a mix of that and weird, campy horror comedy as well. Um it certainly has plenty of screwball comedy elements to it. This, however, is a pure screwball comedy, and I mean in the purest form. It is one of the silliest movies you could wish for, and we thought that with Arsenic and Old Lace. Now, Arsenic and Old Lace is a crazy movie. It's a wacky movie. It's a very out-there movie. I think this one's just full of silly characters that are actually in the real world rather than arsenic and old lace which is full of silly characters that are so out there that they almost don't feel particularly real yeah these guys feel real to me yet they are so full eccentric and odd eccentricity exactly (laughs) yes that i can't help but love it i think it's one of the most enjoyably entertaining 30s movies you could possibly you could possibly wish to see as well as being really quite surprisingly poignant really quite surprisingly meaningful um and having really appropriate and i think accurate and i think interesting commentary on the time that it came out the mid 30s the depression era i think it, it's it's wonderful in what it says about that as well we're here on episode 275 of it's a wonderful podcast talking this wonderful movie what did you think of it Janine? <laughs> this was a very silly movie as you said um i went into this not really knowing what to expect I didn't really know even the plot. I just knew something about William Powell being a butler, but I didn't know in what context. So to see kind of how the events come about was uh, a surprise. It was very interesting uh, to see how the story played out. Definitely wasn't sure. Um, You know, movies like this can feel predictable, but because the characters are so wacky, I really wasn't sure how it was going to play out. So that just made it kind of extra fun. So Yeah. And I think when you start the movie, there's obviously a certain character change with William Powell that you don't, I don't think you necessarily do see coming. I don't think you necessarily can predict, you know, when you start the movie. So you can say that certain plot elements, certain you know, the way you end up in the movie is is somewhat predictable, but sometimes you almost want that. This is what people say for have said forever and ever about virtually any rom com. Yeah. Is you know how it's gonna end. Ultimately yeah. it's how you get there that's the entertaining part. And I think that's probably the similar case with my man Godfrey. Of course, it being a screwball comedy, it is a formative rom com. You know, it's probably along with um, you're bringing up babies, his girl Fridays, Philadelphia stories, holidays. I know I've just rattled off some Cary Grant movies there, but it happened one night, 
all of these um, that fit into the real top tier screwball genre, the real, you know, the, the top tier of that, of those yeah. movies that, you know, are so influential to any other romantically based comedy that came in the decades since the 30s that you, you can't you can't um, forget and, and you can't forgot you can't fault yeah. its influence at all um i think it's clear to see it is lovely to have william powell back on the main show <laughs> as well he is low-key one of our favourites, given the fact we've only ever talked now three of his movies, two of which were in the same Same, series. like, franchise, yeah. And that was a long time ago now. I think that was, like, two Christmases ago. Yeah. We talked about the Thin Man movies. But we always come back to saying how much we enjoy him. I think I think when we're just talking in yes. general, not even on shows, we always remember um, how much we do enjoy William Powell. And and this is actually not even the only William Powell movie I've seen this week. I kind of wanted to watch another one of his movies <laughs> that I do own, or another movie with him in it that I do own as well, just because I... It reminded me, and I've seen this movie before. This was not my first time watching My Man Godfrey, but it, it just reminded me again of just how wonderfully expressive he is. Yeah. And he doesn't have to do much to convey such great, you know, facial emotion. Oh, um, yeah. He's very, he's very limited in what he, not limited, but he's very... Uh, kind of simple in what he does but he's able to do so much yeah I think it's uh, he's a he's a he's an example of uh, an eyebrow king I'm gonna call them <laughs> eyebrow kings where they can just basically tell you anything about them by moving their eyebrows a certain way <laughs> uh, because he's got such a distinct eyebrows I think uh, he's he's a, a wonderfully captivating actor, and I think my man Godfrey speaks to all of his strengths. Given the fact that there is emotion that comes with this role as well, there's emotion that comes with this movie. There's a certain level of drama that's required. Yet, for an awful lot of the movie, he's obviously just <clears throat> being dryly deadpanly yes kind of observant of just crazy things going on and he's got the perfect side eye everything yes. is is the perfect side yes. eye he's charming he's patient uh he's a little bit silly um but also uh very endearing uh when it comes to the more dramatic parts of the story as well yeah so very charismatically dry Yes, and of course, alongside him, I believe, after 275 episodes, it is a first It's a Wonderful Podcast appearance for Carol Lombard. Carol Lombard, yes. I'd never seen her in anything. So, you know, that's one of those old Hollywood names that you hear all the time. Um, so to finally see her work, which is just one of my favorite things about this show, when you can, you know, finally... Uh, celebrate those names that you hear yeah. all the time and you finally get to see what they, you know, why the, why you know that name. Um, yeah. It is so great. So she was... And she... I feel like usually, <laughs> usually it's because um, I've just bought a movie with such a person in it. Um, this is actually... I suppose the only Carol Lombard movie that I do currently own as well. So, so that's wow. probably why, because I always find that such an, an easy way, or at least the simplest way of discovering a new actor is getting, you know, obviously buying a new movie. Um, yeah. Not, not even necessarily with that actor in the lead, because I, I would have bought my man Godfrey because I enjoyed the thin man. 
and oh william powell screwball comedy yes please get that it looks really good i'm into it it's revered it's respected and then you actually learn more about carol lombard which makes me now want to go and watch 20th century which is another very famous carol lombard screwball comedy um i think from a couple of years before this one i think that's from 34 and, and this movie's 36 but that's the kind of journey you, you tend to go on with discovering yeah. actors you, you find them in other movies of people you already like and then just you know so, follow so them forgive from us there. forgive <laughs> yeah. us for taking this long with <clears throat> another such famous name but of course this happens all the time yeah. you know on this show we end up questioning why it's taken over 250 episodes to cover certain uh individuals on this show but there's a lot of movies out there there's a lot of yeah. movies to celebrate and we like an awful lot of movies and that's why this show could go on forever you know yeah. because there's a, there's always going to be something new there's always going to be something else a, a different realm to to delve into and i mean i really really do love carol lombard in this movie as well she brings all the all the great screwball energy that i i particularly love in what obviously Catherine hepburn does in a few movies in the late 30s uh alongside Cary grant that i just love so much and yeah really what started my fondness for Catherine hepburn was those movies was bringing up baby was holiday was philadelphia story that kind of stuff um she brings all that and almost kind of betters it in terms of just complete i don't want to say ditziness but just <laughs> crazy eccentricity of just saying strange things there's so many weird lines in this movie <laughs> yes i mean she is also a character that i that went in directions that i wasn't expecting and i will say i wish she maybe would have done things a little bit differently what she did was so fun and unexpected but uh kind of how the story went about what the result we get to at the end i kind of wish she would have done things made some different choices with the character or the character wouldn't have been um as extreme as they were at certain points okay well, i'm interested to to maybe get into that a little <clears throat> bit i think the most contextually interesting thing about um these two and this movie though these two lead actors is the fact that at this point in their lives they were actually ex-wife and husband really um they had been married in the early 30s oh goodness um and when my man godfrey was being cast i'm led to believe that william powell insisted his ex-wife carol lombard was the only person who could possibly play that role so it's wow. nice to know that the respect and admiration was still there even though the uh the marriage itself had didn't broken last. down wow and okay. didn't last Interesting. so and yeah i i i read stuff as well that apparently this the relationship between them that was shown in this movie isn't inaccurate to perhaps their real life relationship as well in terms of the dynamic okay. I mean, obviously william powell being quite kind of not stoic obviously but a little bit more steady a little bit more just dry and observant dry. yeah yeah kind of just reading the room at every turn and then uh acting or reacting accordingly but i mean this is this is my favorite thing about screwball comedies imagine this scenario in your head you've got the really kind of confused leading man stood in the middle of a just crazy female lead that's just running circles around him really fast screaming at him and just yes. like bashing his head with a baseball bat and he's just stood there 
going, I don't know what I'm doing. That is the nature of a screwball comedy. Yeah. It's not the other way round. It's that way round. You think of, I mean, I keep bringing it up. You think of bringing up baby. That is bringing up baby. It's Kerry Grant going, I'm just so confused about everything that's going on. Yes, what and is Catherine happening? Hepburn sprinting around him going, let's let's deal with this leopard. Come on, come on. Yeah. 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 Let's do all these crazy things. I don't want to. No, we're doing it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> insane. Yeah. That is this movie. It's wonderful. Um, of course, before we get into now 15, 15 minutes into <laughs> yes. it, no, um, we, we will, of course, start to uh, talk properly about the uh, plot of the movie, what we think about each little detail and how the movie moves forward. But we do have to say a big thank you to all our wonderful patrons of It's a Wonderful Podcast, as we like to do on um, on a show every week on this podcast feed, because they are wonderful, wonderful people, and we would not be able to do what we do without their very generous support. We love our patrons dearly. We are very, yes. very thankful for them. So we would like to start by saying a big thank you to Marie Zambino. And thank you, Adam Witt. Thank you to Michael Smith. Thank you, Maxwell Haddad. Thank you, Abby Freel. Thank you, Ferris Buthana. Thank you to Janine's big brother, Justin, 90s Comics Box. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Tina Farrell. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Steve, Movie Fenobi. Thank you, Samir Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Fies. Thank you to Delisha Butler. Thank you to the great Ken Napsock. Thank you to Tom and Kimber of the Odd Shape channel. Thank you, Eric Garcia. And thank you, of course, to Billy Pollahan. Yes. Okay. Janine, what do you make of the opening of this movie, which is, of course, all these super wealthy New York people Going on a scavenger hunt, finding yes, homeless that was people, chaos. because that's entertaining, isn't it? Yes. So, I mean, we kind of first meet Godfrey in the dump. Uh, he is with a bunch of other people who live in the dump. And then this very fancy car pulls up. Uh, some rich people get out. Um, a woman approaches Godfrey and asks him, uh, you know, if he wants to make $5, he needs to come with her to be a part of the scavenger hunt. So she'll win. Uh, he doesn't like her attitude. And um, I, I liked this right off the bat. The fact that I was waiting for this. I was like, I feel like he's going to say no. And it's going to give this character some integrity. And sure enough, that's what happens. So then you immediately like this character right off the bat. And you get a sense of who he is. Um and then the relationship kind of starts to immediately develop with the Carol Lombard character because he kind of pushes the one who asked him into, <laughs> into the dirt. And instead of uh, Carol Lombard, she's also part of the scavenger hunt. Instead of her kind of now trying to pounce on him and take the opportunity to ask him, she is just enjoying the fact that he got one up on her sister who yes. is constantly beating her at things and putting her down. And he's intrigued by this. And they kind of strike up this rapport immediately uh, to the point where, you know, he didn't like the woman who asked him because she was very rude. So just despite her, he decides to go with Carol Lombard and, and be her winning ticket to the scavenger hunt. Uh, yeah. And so I, I like how the story kicks off. I like how they immediately develop this rapport between the two of them. Um, and we get a sense immediately as well um, of the relationship between her character and her sister. Um, so we're already getting this family dynamic. And then we get into the mother who's coming in <laughs> with like a goat. Um, and so we're already seeing her eccentricities because I think she's probably the craziest member of this family. Yes, uh, I would say so. I mean, I love this line as well. And this is... I mean, you could say it's a throwaway line. It's not a throwaway line, but one patron of this ridiculous kind of 
party that's being thrown in this hotel that is just the most busy, chaotic, shouting, loud environment you've possibly seen. Yeah. Just goes up to this man we haven't met in the movie yet and says, check out the batty old dame with the goat or something like that. Yeah. And he just goes, yeah. Yeah. Tried being with her for 20 years. That's my yeah, that's wife. my wife. <laughs> yeah. She has a goat and a baby goat. Um yes. It, <laughs> Mrs. Bullock, the yeah. the mother, played by Alice Brady, wonderfully by Alice Brady, is yes. definitely the most insane member of that family. And they're all a little bit out there. I mean, the father, bless him, he tries to kind of gel everything together. He tries yes, to make he's sense. Very of patient. He's not. Yeah, he's not. But you see his frustration building and boiling. Yeah, he's the most normal he's, one. <laughs> he is, and he's deeply frustrated all the time. But obviously, this is this is the nature of this family. This is, you know, they are hyper wealthy. Park Avenue, New York socialites that yeah. have no possible responsibility in the world at all, all apart from Alexander Bullock, the father, who is obviously the, you know, kind of the financier of his family, the money maker, yeah. uh, the businessman. And the rest of them just live crazy social lives and just get hammered every night of the week, ride horses into their own library and break windows down the street yes. and do Spend all these all things that he's constantly and, having yeah. yeah, that he's constantly having to rectify, constantly having to pay for. And he does, he just gets so much. He gets frust you know, more and more frustrated <laughs> yeah, every single time. Along. Yeah. Um and this this scavenger hunt party scene to begin with, I mean, they, re they refer to the homeless people that they have to collect for a part of this scavenger hunt as forgotten men. And I kind of, I love this phrasing. And I, I mean, obviously, like, I don't like that phrasing to refer to somebody like that as a forgotten man. But isn't it just kind of like poetically great? Yes, yes. To, I mean, it's kind to phrase of phrase it like that. Yes, it's kind of accurate, and and um, I think what these society people seem to be a more eloquent term for something like this. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. As I mentioned, I did like the rapport between you know Carol Lombard's character Irene and Godfrey right off the bat, and him really just being intrigued by what a scavenger hunt is and why somebody would want him to be a part of that. And um, so it's all about curiosity for him, and also kind of you know uh, getting one over on uh, Irene's sister Cornelia, who was very rude to him. Uh, yes. He so, gets inquisitive, doesn't he? He's, he's yes. very inquisitive. Almost twitchy-nosed. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, I love seeing Irene not really have this aversion to him. You know, she's perfectly content, you know, looping her arm in his and walking with him, constantly asking him, and, you know, are you okay? You know, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you. She's very apologetic to the whole kind of chaos of the situation. She's constantly checking in with him to make sure she's not offending him in any way. So already we're seeing this genuine person and, and, this care kind of between the two of them, which I really liked. So kind of what I mentioned earlier, I would have liked her to continue with the character having this kind of ditziness, like you mentioned, but also it coming from a bit more genuine naivete um, instead of where it elevates into kind of bratty dramatics, you know? Yeah. Which yeah. plays great comedically, but it takes away from what she was giving with this character right at the start. Like, I loved her being kind of still a little bit oblivious to the life that somebody like Godfrey lives. That, you know, and kind of being oblivious to just how odd 
you know, her this situation is that all these rich people could just be spending their time this way um, and not having any kind of awareness, but still wanting to understand, you know, Godfrey and respect him and all of that. Um, so I like that she can be oblivious about things like that that are smaller than her, but curious and and wanting to be respectful. Um I'm being a little bit silly in terms of kind of the banter between her and her sister. Uh, so I liked this genuine uh, naivete that she had about her at the beginning, but then it kind of evolves into her being, you know, having these fake spells and doing things for attention and being very whiny and bratty. And, you know, it plays for some great moments, but I, you know, so I wish we would have had a little bit less of that and more of kind of this characterization because, you know, there is this, you know, somewhat building of this romance between her and Godfrey, at least one-sided for a minute. So I would have liked to see less of her being kind of as, as dramatic and bratty uh, so that it could feel like Godfrey was developing feelings for her, but because of his position, he had to hold back. But, you know, because of how crazy she was acting, it felt like he... It, it felt like it wasn't him holding back. It just felt like he wasn't interested because she was just being such a brat, you know? So I wanted to feel from him that it was more him pulling back because he's now in this position. So they ultimately, she ultimately hires him to be their butler and he really is determined to do a good job at this. So I wanted it to feel like, you know, he has this position as his butler now. He wants to do a good job. He doesn't want to cross any lines, but you know, because she gave him this opportunity, he, he's very endeared to her. You can tell he has feelings for her, but he doesn't want to act on them and ruin this opportunity. But it felt like he just very was indifferent to her because she was just being very obnoxious. So I yeah. kind of wish it, it, it didn't feel that way, you know? I, yeah, I, I would ask. I don't know, if that, that, I don't know if that bumbling explanation I was trying to give made any sense to you, but... It makes <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. It really does. I would ask this one question, and we'll come we'll come back to okay. it because I think it plays in. You know, at, at the very end of the movie, is the relationship not entirely one sided, or at least does it only go spoken on one side, and we just kind of yes. understand so, it so there from by the, the other end, side? Even by the end, because of how indifferent godfrey seemed to act towards irene um it was hard to tell by the end if he was just resigned to kind of what happens at the end uh in a one-sided way or if again it's just him not not saying and just you know he feels that way but he's just not saying so it was very I hard i just, i I just wish there would have been a little bit more there to kind of make that clear. But then I don't know if it was the point of the film to just have us kind of keep us guessing. And because I, I think understand. either way would have been funny. I would have loved like the romantic aspect of him, you know, be, having, having it be clear that he did have feelings and them getting together at the end. But I also would have liked kind of the idea of her showing up and saying we're getting married and him just making a silly face like what is happening and just kind of going with it because this is who this crazy person has been the whole time. And yeah. and that would that that's a fun kind of comedic way to kind of comedic beat to end the movie on. But it was very much kind of unclear in terms of how they were playing things at moments for me. So see for me, I don't necessarily think it's unclear for me. Now, I would say that is, is not what you've just explained, the nature of the screwball comedy that we've just kind of talked about in terms of the confused leading man in the middle and the crazy leading woman running around him like a maniac. Yes, yes. Yes, it is. I think it is. Does it not, or like I said as well, is it not just still a, a at least a, a spoken depiction of a one-sided relationship by the end of the movie? Somewhat, yes, it is. I do think, however, we we acknowledge, we understand, we believe that Godfrey, that William Powell 
reciprocates the feelings because he has clearly cared for Irene more out of anybody in this family throughout the whole time they've been together. He's just very professional when he's doing his bottling job, I think. Um, And she does seem... Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. No, however, what you said about the you wish Carol Lombard would have continued to show... Uh, continued to show more genuine uh, or a genuine heart and a naivety I uh, rather than a brattiness I actually think that brattiness is so important to what the movie's trying to do because it's not just trying to be a simple rom-com it's not just trying to be a straight screwball comedy it is also trying to be a depression era commentary and with that depression era commentary has to come you think about the think about it contextually the audience going to watch my man godfrey needs to needs to have the feeling of of the super wealthy being complete idiots being completely unlikable Um, being just the most you know inhuman people almost you know possible which is why you get that such wonderful stark contrast of all the super wealth high society people being just the most distant kind of weirdos possible and all the people who are homeless the people who are living in the city dump the people who godfrey socializes with you know outside of his uh, new butler job they are deeply human they are so thoughtful they are selfless people they are good natured good-hearted people all of them patient people happy people with their situation simply because they've got some sort of roof over their head and contextually think this is a depression era movie that is such a important concept to have well, no, in this movie that's i think really it's what, great context it's what elevates this movie to being i think better than just not better than just a simple screwball comedy but more than just a simple screwball comedy i think it it's what sets this one aside from many many other 30s comedies is the fact it can it's equally as effective um contextually and dramatically um from doing that because you think of other screwball comedies and yes it, they do show you know high society socialites wealth super wealthy people being silly but they don't show the other side they don't show the the lower classes being you know the most humane people in the movie yeah. this movie does show that so it's clearer and that is what that is why i think you get um the the brattiness on show from the bullocks um i, I think it's balanced really well for me i i, I don't mind that there's that well, because, because i still understand that there is that genuine yes. nature with irene there yes and and just for me like they set up Irene to be the the one we're supposed to like the most in the family, and we're the she's the one that we um, are kind of rooting for out of all the rest of the people in the family. So when she yeah. kind of has this really immature turn, it's just it, it, I it, I wasn't expecting it because I'm like, aren't we supposed to be liking her? Like, aren't we supposed to be you know seeing something in her that stands out separate from her kind of crazy family that maybe she's she still has some of those eccentricities, but she's still more self-aware than the rest of them because she seemed so self-aware with Godfrey at the beginning. Um, and I will say, um, what I was gonna say is even at the end, she does kind of snap back into that that efficiency. So I like kind of the confidence in her you know in the end when she kind of just marches in uh to to godfrey's place and kind of tells him this is how things are going to be so you know we get this plucky naive excited lovable version of her at the beginning this you know very um childish kind of silly version of her in the middle and then this 
self-assured kind of efficient confident version of her at the end so yeah. this character really evolves in an interesting way as well but we still like her much more than cornelia who's just out for herself oh, and yes. kind of terrible yes and this is um, her sister who godfrey pushed into the dirt at the beginning of the movie yes yeah, so when he is hired as the butler by irene because butlers never stay on there it's a whole kind of trend with them because they're just so crazy and demanding and out there that no one ever can handle you know what this family asks of them um that she has it out for godfrey so she is on a mission to make him look bad to make his job more difficult um yeah. and, and just mess with him when she can uh and she even will you know when she kind of sees irene has feelings for godfrey then she even plays into that as well to kind of get at her sister and and tries to seduce godfrey even in some yeah. moments um i mean later on in the movie she she almost frames him for the theft of a necklace Yes. Or she tries to frame him for the theft of a necklace, but he's yeah. one step ahead of her. Exactly. So, I, you know, I love, again, him just being very observant. He's kind of just constantly reading the room and studying these people and then taking the opportunities when they, uh, you know, kind of present themselves after he kind of knows how these characters are going to act in these situations. Um, and I love that, you know, he gets this opportunity and he really takes it seriously. He wants to do a good job. Um, he tries to be as respectful as possible and, um, but also play into kind of the ridiculousness of these people, um, you know, to, to make them, uh, feel like he's on board with you know all of the craziness and also to um you know keep them on their toes because they never expected him to stay on as long as he he ended up staying on because no one ever does so he kind of comes in almost there's almost this underlying kind of mary poppins essence with him that he brings something to this family yeah. you know that they that they need, um, that they don't think they need. He kind of rehabilitates them in, in a way and, and, you know, teaches them some things. Um, I and mean, do, doesn't Alice Brady not say that Godfrey is the only, is the first thing that Irene's cared for since her Pomeranian died last summer? Yes, yes. <laughs> One of the many great lines in this movie. I mean, there's countless stupid lines. Another one of my favourites um oh it's wonderful godfrey loves me he put me in the shower oh yes when she what does that mean <laughs> it doesn't mean anything yeah there's so many just strangely like strange lines like that that are delivered so matter-of-factly yeah that i can't help i can't help but love that sort of stuff there's things there's so the, the the language of the dialogue in this movie it's almost over descriptive at times i just think it's so wonderfully written it's yes. a wonderful script um i i yeah i i yeah. I, I love that sort no. of stuff. There's so many lines that <laughs> i i when you hear them you're just going I, I, I love it so it's good. so great it's yeah so it works perfect. so well and just again they set up the character of godfrey so well like we see him already kind of having this integrity he's not just going to do anything for five bucks he's not going to have somebody no. you know parade him and make a joke of him you know just for five dollars he's going to do something like that he's going to do it on his own terms um at his own accord um and even when, you know, we didn't really talk about when she takes him up there and says, hey, I have the forgotten man. She wins the scavenger hunt. So he goes up there to make a speech and he calls them all out for being rich idiots and how this is a yeah, bunch of what nonsense. Does he say? And... <laughs> what does he say? I wonder if I can find the quote. I, I don't know. I, li I like how they all make fun of his beard as well, because nobody had a beard in the 30s yes so and like, like other oh, people other people <laughs> for the scavenger hunt just like would glue a beard on one of their own people a fake beard so that they could win so he's like oh, i need to you know feel that it's real because we've had some people try to cheat um yeah it's so stupid. and 
yes and the fact that you know he says all these things about rich people just being awful and irene takes no offense to this and she is kind of just endeared to him even more to the fact that she um you know she's again is very apologetic for you know putting him in this situation and and worried that she's offended him in some way and then offers him this job to be the butler and she's really excited and you know, immediately, I love this relationship that's set up between the two of them that he says, you know, um, you know, you are, you know, I'm kind of your protege now. So, um, yes. <laughs> and it's her also kind of trying to mimic this behavior from her mother because her mother has this ridiculous <laughs> protege as well. I love him. I love really Carlo. Carlo's my favorite. <laughs> He doesn't really, do anything in the no, movie. Why is he there? The, yes, but the mom is like endorsing him to be some kind of singer or something, but he literally just shows up and eats all their food. Um, and it's completely ridiculous like a, and chime, like chimes in unwarranted. Pianist. Yes. And so she's, um, you know, his you know, his patron, and 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 you know, so he's just constantly there. And obviously, <laughs> Mr. Bullock is just like, I hate this guy. Why is he here? He's such a mooch. And I love what a, just what a life to think about it. What, a, <laughs> all what of an the... easy life Carlo has. Yes. And so talk about some of the great dialogue, all of the lines we get, kind of the under the breath commentary we get from Mr. Bullock uh <laughs> about Carlo is just really funny. Yeah. <laughs> um Carlo's uh he's played by Misha Auer as well, who was uh, the deputy in Destry Rides Again. Ah, uh, yes. You know, the the crazy he's in the mustache hall of fame, Misha Auer for uh for yeah. Destry Rides mm -hmm. Again. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can't help but love Carlo. He's so he is like a child in this movie. He's just always there eating some sort of yes. order when... or something like that. And, and when Irene hates his guts. Yes. And when Irene is having her episode in order to impress Godfrey, you know, her mother asks him to do his little monkey trick. And so he's just running around yeah. acting like an ape. It's ridiculous. I'm sure Mr. Bullock says something like, why don't you stop acting like a gorilla and start acting like a man? It's, it's a great line as well. Oh, yeah. I can't help but love Carlo. Um, even I say love Carlo, love the character of Carlo because yes, he love does the, the comic relief that he brings to the the story for sure. It's and it's strange that you say he brings comic relief when you're in a Every, totally comedic yes, movie, but and he everyone is feels like that. Yeah, yeah, you are right in saying that he does almost feel like that. Um, well, because everyone else is kind of over the top, and he's just over here making these silly little comments in the corner while he's stuffing his face. So he's very much not on the level of everyone else, but he's still no, just as funny <laughs> comedically. Yeah, it's very, very yeah. true. Um, there's a little bit of a difference with Godfrey. He isn't your regular homeless man, as, no. as, as, we, as we come to find out, which is... I suppose a twist in the story of the yeah. movie, I suppose the twist in the story of the movie is this, is the fact that, well, there's a party that's hosted uh, by the Bullocks at their house and one particular gentleman comes in who seems to recognise Godfrey as somebody he used to know at Harvard. And you're yeah. thinking, oh, this is what? interesting. Well, why, why would he know this? Why would he know Godfrey from, from there? I thought Godfrey was a homeless, homeless man. Yeah, but uh, Godfrey immediately kind of hijacks the narrative and says, "Oh, I was like his his valet in in college yeah. or something like that." Um, and they kind of have to do this half unspoken. Yes, tomorrow's my day off. I'll me. explain. At, we'll go to lunch and I'll explain everything. Yeah, kind of wink wink and then they have to kind of you know come up with this cockamamie story about how they met and how they know each other and everyone wants to know and everybody in the room is listening and so it's kind yeah. of this whole sloppy thing where he goes on about um godfrey being married to some indian woman and having all these children and <laughs> like yes it's it's 
yeah. I don't know why he takes it so far, to be honest yeah. with you. It's quite ridiculous. Yeah, it's but as it turns out... The screwball nature of the film, I think. As it turns out, and this is just another, I think, really impactfully kind of meaningful message point of the movie as well, is the fact that Godfrey himself is, or at least was, old money with yeah. his like generational wealth who lost it all during the stock market crash and well, has no, been and he and he gave it all to a woman as well that he was with that he thought he was yeah. in love with i think and i think that's also they excuse that to explain maybe why he has this hesitancy to even uh endorse irene's feelings because he was hurt by a woman yeah when it's passed but i mean basically he's lost all his money and you can put this context on again the crash and the depression that followed the the crash the times you you know the times you are living in in 1936 when the movie comes out and of course slightly before when the, the the book comes out because this movie is actually based on a book um, I think it's called 1011 Park Avenue. I think that's what the book's called. Yeah. This, um, that, that's the address where the Bullocks live. Um, but so so you get the, the generational high society wealth that has lost all his money, that has almost become human because of that. Yeah. Um, and has become a more well-rounded character because of that. I, th- I think that's such an interesting character angle to, you know, spin this movie into being. Because yeah. it could have just been poor man, rich woman, fall in love. But it's so much more because it's almost, it, it, it brings such a a, 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 a further level of humanity to the entire movie. The fact that you get that layer of him having to actually go through some struggles in his life to become a more rounded person. Yeah, and get that perspective and the fact that he sees this opportunity of being this butler and seeing how he can, you know, spread that and and use and help that. his friends and yes, from the dump and yes and use that as a stepping off point to to a something bigger um and yeah, be it's charitable why he, give yes back. and it's why he it's so important to him to do a good job um because he has these bigger plans for this seemingly simple job opportunity yeah because you know this this city dump is constantly getting kind of or at least where these people live is constantly getting kind of filled in. They have to, you know, keep moving their little wood shacks and their little makeshift yeah. huts and these kind of things. And, you know, it's obviously, it's no way to live. It's, it's a terrible way to live. It's a deeply unfortunate way to live. And people yeah. obviously still, you know, go through this kind of stuff. It's probably, I mean, it's, still not great now is it around the world this kind of stuff but the I I love that angle of this movie you know this other angle that this movie has it makes again I'm I'm staggered by how good of a balancing act this movie is because it's not a long movie it's a what 95 minute movie or something like that yet it seems to have all these kind of different things going on that you know you almost feel like it should be a two-hour-plus movie, but yeah. that would feel silly for something that's generally more comedic. Yeah, I always feel it would feel silly for something that's generally more comedic if it's over a hundred minutes. I don't, you know, or a hundred, you know, an hour forty-five. I feel like mm, you're probably going on a little bit too long here. Just snap it up a little bit, yeah, and you're okay. This one seems to do way more than than other more purely comedic movies do in a longer runtime because yeah, it I mean, has all this drama to it as well 
Yes, and I mean, we get several that. character arcs in the time that we have with these characters. And um, character arcs that work, that are full, that are fulfilled, that complete themselves. You know? Yes. Um, because, yeah, like we talked about, Godfrey uses this opportunity, this job, and, you know, in running into his friend again, and he kind of makes this whole plan to do something with the dump to help out his friends who live there. Um, and so he also does something for the family, like the whole kind of Mary Poppins <laughs> moment that happens. Uh, Mr. Bullock has constantly kind of been sitting his family down and telling him that they need to rein in their spending. They're spending too much. They can't be so frivolous and all of these things. And of course they still do what they do and they don't really listen to him. Um, and then ultimately at the end, he tells them, you know, we're broke. We have no money you know all we have is this you know apartment and that's basically it and he's kind of had to uh you know take money from you know some people who've invested with him from behind their back and you know hasn't been able to put that money back and all of this so they're in a bad way he's kind of even looking at potentially going to jail and the family is just very much all now in this this dour kind of state and then here comes Godfrey to tell them that, you know, he saw what was happening with Mr. Bullock's stocks. And so he was started to buy them up. And now he has, you know, all of these stocks for him and he gifts them to him and, and says, no, you guys are not going to lose any money. You're, you're going to be OK. I've been watching all of, you know, what's been happening behind the scenes. And and so he does this for him. And then he kind of says to each one of them you know what he's learned from them or what he's gotten from them in his time with them and it's so sweet even and even cornelia. cornelia um who was just terrible to him and he shows her so much grace and kindness um the pearls that she hid under his mattress and then called the cops trying to get him caught and then they checked the mattress and the pearls aren't there he actually you know was one step ahead of her had the pearls and he kind of used them in his whole plan to get this money for them. And he returns her pearls to her and she is kind of left speechless. And so we do yeah. get this really great moment of growth from her where she, you know, sees this man she's treated terribly this whole time. And he does this kindness for her and like essentially saves her family. And she just doesn't know what to do. So it's a really great shift from these ridiculous comedic moments into some realness and the flow doesn't feel jarring. It's very fluent and it's great to kind of see these characters in a peaceful moment and not being so crazy and, and seeing the effect that, godfrey's had on them and they've had on him and them not even realizing that all their kind of nonsense that happens with them would even affect somebody in some kind of positive way so i love this exchange of 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 learning from each other and growth that they all get yeah. from each other and just how it's illustrated after kind of all the silliness and irene is not a part of this because he knows just how you know um, she can't really control her emotions very much when she's around him. And so he's just like, I'd rather not, you know, get caught up with Irene and, you know, me leaving and, and, and saying goodbye to her is just going to be too difficult. So then he kind of doesn't really say goodbye to her. And then he also well, she makes leaves. sure to, uh, <clears throat> well, she, she, she makes sure to get her own way. Doesn't she? Oh, yes. Her? He, so Godfrey might not say goodbye to her at the house, but no, she but she'll she'll find thing. she finds a way. So you know, we see him leave, and he ends up going to what he's built on the site of the dump, a, a club and restaurant, and this whole big thing yeah. that he has. You know, hired all the men who lived on the site. They all have jobs there, and they're all you know. And he, you know, has created this great thing. Yeah. Um, because he another, has own... another great line from this movie, probably the line from this movie, the only difference between a derelict and a man is a job. Yes. Which is something that Godfrey says in this movie, which, yeah. again, think about contextually at the time to hear something like that. Very, you know, speaks to a lot, speaks to an awful lot. And this... 
this very genuine ending of the movie as well, when obviously Godfrey gives back to the Bullocks and helps them out. It could it would be quite easy and quite simple and quite appropriate to have this movie be rich people bad, poor people good, we you know, we live in that world and this is how the masses think. But it's more than that. It is no 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 just be a human being, be charitable. These people need help. They're still people. Yes. You know, everybody's still a person. They're, they're stupid, obviously. We don't like the rich, but it's the right thing to help good people in peril. You yes. know, or, or and 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 that comes from both angles in this movie. I feel like that's so important to have in as well, because I mean, Godfrey is the angel of the entire movie. Sure, he never does a thing wrong, does he? He's the most perfect yeah. <laughs> man going. But he helps the broke, high society, old money bullocks. But he also helps the poorest of the poor who are living in the dump. He gets them jobs and he helps these good, rich people out. Because they are, they, you know, they, they, they're harmless people. They're just idiots, the yes. <laughs> They're completely harmless. Um, he helps everyone. He's the most charitable person. And that charitable angle in such a time when so many people are obviously struggling in the world. And we can think about this now, if you want to think about this now, recontextualize it to to now um is such an important message because it's too easy to feel like everything's against you all the time it's too easy to yeah. feel like oh you over there you're taking something that could be mine even if it's just like ten dollars or ten pounds or something like that it's like you're yeah. taking something that i could have i don't like you it's so easy to feel like that but this movie teaches you and, and tells you and makes you realize that you know, just rein it in. Be a human being. Use your humanity to help everyone. And yeah. that will help you. Because and that's you can learn what things happens in people. this movie. Yes, and you, you can become learn a more well rounded mm -hmm. individual, fulfilled yes. life. And you can learn things from people you wouldn't expect to learn things from. So Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. It's a great, a great movie about different perspectives for sure um <clears throat> just to kind of cap off the ending of the film yes uh irene realizes that godfrey has left that he's helped the family and all of these things and she goes to the dump because she assumes that where that's where he went and she shows up with firewood and food because she's assuming you know he's gone back to being this homeless person um and uh, she sees that this big this club is there and she kind of busts her way into Godfrey's quarters. And even before that, I think his friend who, you know, went to Harvard with him, who helped him do this whole thing, is telling him, you know, you should have said goodbye I think to that he's, girl. He's like he's his business of, partner now. Yes. And he's advocating for him to talk to Irene and make it work with Irene. And, you know, I think Godfrey alludes to, you know, maybe not wanting to give love a chance because he was scorned. So I think that's the one little bit of something that that we get that maybe reflects some feelings towards Irene. Um, and as he's talking, you know, as he's kind of egging Godfrey on to, to seek out a relationship with Irene, here she comes busting in yeah. and, you know, telling people to put this there and that there. And he's just kind of surprised, like, what are you doing here? What's going on? Well, it's like, we'll have to change the wallpaper in the bedroom. I don't like green. <laughs> Yeah, she's very she's much like, just already what? already what? making decisions. And she's like, so, you know, we're going to get married right now. Here's the mayor. You know, he's your guest of honor here at your new club. And, I've, you know, he's a good family friend. So I've asked him to, to officiate and marry us. So let's get to it. And Godfrey's just kind of like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. great. It's great. I love that it does end like that. I would disagree, though. It's not the one time you see any love shown from Godfrey. I mean, because let's just remember that Godfrey loves me. He put me in the shower. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
which is very important because, as yeah, we all know, you if you put someone in the shower, it is the sign true love, of love. Right there. Yeah, it is. Um, yes, it's a a kind of balmy way to end the movie, or at least a very full-on way to end the movie. Yes, because. You know, Irene, it, it just gives Carol Lombard one last little excuse to come in all guns blazing, start kind of running around everywhere yeah, and shouting a bit. But it's what she's great at. Yeah. It's what she's great at doing in this movie. And I, I really do want to watch many more of her movies. Yes, I mean, the amount of range as revered she as she in is, this I'm movie so alone. Yeah. Yes, and then yeah. the amount of rain she shows in this movie alone is just gets me excited to see more from her. So, yes, yeah, definitely. I really had fun with this movie. It was so ridiculous, and I really enjoyed it. I'm so very glad <laughs> that this was a successful watch yes. for you. Yes, and yes. you did enjoy it. I have been wanting to talk about it on this show. I to know celebrate this movie <laughs> on this show for such a long time because it really is. It is. It's probably one of my favourite older comedies and, and therefore probably one of my favourite comedic movies, mm. to be honest with you. Um, I just find it... I feel like it's it's something also you could watch so frequently and just perfectly enjoy the same amount every single time. Yeah. And even if you want a... If you're looking for... A depression era movie, you know, uh, that you want to almost get a context on that time, but you you don't want to watch something, you know, massively dramatically heavy. Yeah, yeah. A la the Grapes of Wrath or something like that. Yeah. Who who wants to watch that every week? You know, it's a bit yes. too much. It's very it might be very good, but but it's very difficult it's just, to watch. Yeah. It's just hard and heavy. This has the exact same kind of conversation in it while being just the lightest, breeziest style of comedy possible. Hilarious line delivery. Hilarious character dynamics. Like yeah. genuine laughs as well. Not just this kind of, oh, that's supposed to be funny. Like it's actually really quite wittily funny. Yeah. Wonderfully written, wonderfully directed by Gregory LaCarver, who we haven't even mentioned, and I hate it when I do that, but we haven't. <laughs> but it really, really is. And just highlighted by William Powell and, and Carol Lombard. But yes, a big shout out to, to Alice Brady as, as uh, Mrs. Bullock and uh, I think Gail Patrick as Cornelia. Uh, Misha Hour as Carlo, Eugene somebody as Mr. Bullock. <laughs> Eugene I forget somebody. his last yeah. name. It's Eugene somebody. Um, uh, Pallet. Eugene Pallet. There you go. Wonderful cast, wonderful movie. I'm so happy we've done it on the show. Episode 275. What a nice round number yes. as well to do this movie. My Man Godfrey. 1936. You might be thinking, why didn't you do a Deja Vu? There was a remake of this movie in the 50s starring David Niven. There was, and it's apparently terrible, which is why I chose not to do it. Ah, uh, I mean, we have done some pretty terrible Deja Vu's, but... We have, but I feel like if it's... <laughs> especially if it's an old Hollywood Deja Vu. You old know, Hollywood older... to old Hollywood, yeah. Yes, if it's a remake that is would still be considered a main show movie, then it has to be good. It has to be at least well-revered. And, and apparently, the David Niven remake of, of My Man Godfrey is not good. So let's just stick to this really, right. really good movie. And I'm so happy that... Well, I'm so happy that William Powell has been back on yes, this show. I love him. More William Powell. Yes. More William Powell. Um, please, soon on the main show, I'm sure we can promise that, Janine. I'm sure we can. Yes. 
But yes, there we go for this episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast. This is not the only show we have on this podcast feed, of course. There is Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday, where we are still talking our fringe Marvel movies. Janine over there, the weird side of Marvel yeah. comic movies. Um, this week we covered Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage, <laughs> which was very stupid. It was. It's a silly <laughs> movie. It's a nonsense movie, but there it is on this week's episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen. If you would like to check that out, uh, there is also past episodes of Monday Madness, of course. Monday Madness will be returning shortly in some format or <laughs> another. Yeah. There is 50 episodes of that show on this podcast feed as well. Uh, we also have the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel where we did start the spin-off for Morgan Hasn't Seen with a couple of episodes uh, talking some TV shows yeah. um, and, and getting into more long-form discussion about that kind of stuff, as well as all the other fun stuff we do have on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel as well. Subscribe, ding the notification bells over there so you are the first to know whenever we put something new up there because that's very important. And, of course, subscribe to this podcast feed for, at the very least, Morgan Hasn't Seen, every Wednesday. And it's a wonderful podcast, the main show, this show, celebrating old movies and discovering new ones every single Friday as well. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us on social media, on Twitter, because that's still its name and always will be, at It's a Wonderful One. You can find me on Twitter at the Purple Dawn with a three instead of the E in the because, Janine. Three is a magic number. On Instagram and TikTok at the Purple Dawn. All your Godfrey loving stuff as well. <laughs> you can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter. Janine Debean on Instagram and TikTok and threads. <laughs> and threads. if you want to get it, yes. And if you want to get any merch for any of our shows, check the description in the link or just search It's Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art in print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. I mean, there we go. There's only one thing left to do. And I don't know if uh, a William Powell impression oh, works. Goodness. No. No. It's, it's almost not a distinct enough voice. No, it's, just, it's, it's not. It's a personality. It's just, yes, and I don't, I don't have that personality. I can't do that. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Do whatever you want because... Or, or do something happy. Do something uh, charitable. I don't know how to do that charitable. <laughs> That's the point of this movie. Go ahead. Go. Yes. Three, two, one. <laughs> Bye. Bye.